0: The number one source of friction in your engine is not what you think. Piston rings rubbing against the cylinder walls generate more friction than any other part of the engine. More friction and temperature means more wear and less horsepower. Fortunately, the team at Total Seal knows how to reduce friction and wear through innovative piston ring design. If it takes a piston, Total Seal can build a better ring. For more than a decade, FTI has strived to become the leader in the aftermarket, performance, transmission and converter industry. We've joined forces with McLeod Driveline Components under the leadership of Top Fuel Funny Car Pilot Paul Lee and now have a larger distribution network, more resources and more power. Come see us in the pits and ask how you can join the FTI family. It's not cheating, it is the competitive edge. This, this is WFO Radio.
1: Hey everybody, WFO Radio back on the air. What's up everybody? We got the baby Gators this weekend. That's right, Gainesville Raceway going hot. And we are going to be at the Gator Nationals just, uh, you know, pretty much a week from now. We'll be headed that way, the start of the NHRA Mission Foods Drag Racing Series era. So much going on. We had racing out there at Firebird Motorsports Park. We had racing out there at Bell Rose. You had lights out. Stevie Fast goes up there, runs a, what do you you run, 350? Cracks him up there. And uh, amazing. Amazing. at drag racing is off and running so well. I had some fun experiences myself. Those of you who also listen to the Ignition Show, we had a good time. Great stuff. Reinhardt's got me all panicked that he's not going to show up. And then there he is. He's there. He's there, baby. I feel like, oh, we got Reinhardt today. That's great. Of course, your comments and questions in the comments section, all of that stuff. We appreciate you guys as we are getting closer and closer. And I just think the excitement is palpable. I'm trying to control it. Hopefully, got the big International Drag Racing Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Got some things to tell you about because they're going to have a big Shirley Muldowney view party. They got that big Fox Sports bio piece, like a legit, well-produced, high-budget Shirley Muldowney bit that's going on there. It's going to be Friday at the Hilton, all kinds of stuff going on around Gainesville. We're going to get into all that on the show. We're going to talk about all of it. We're going to talk about all of it. But I got to tell you, right at the start, I'm perusing instagram and i see a shot of a guy with a can of fog and he's like wfo recommended this stuff i'm gonna try it out and i felt like oh my gosh pressure but i know it's good and that's the truth with all of our sponsors if you hear about them here on wfo radio they're helping us they're making it possible for us to do this show and interview celebrities like alan reinhardt and celebrity drivers like big daddy non-garlets and all of this stuff so Maybe you'll need one of these things. Maybe you need it right now. Uh, check it out. Fog it. F-O-G-G-I-T, available at Summit, available at Amazon. It is a, a aerosol spray. It's a spray, right? But what it does is it protects the inside of your cylinders or anything that you don't want corroded. That's the thing, which was designed to protect your cylinders inside the engine. But people are using it on hundreds of other things to... Ah, uh, lubricate and also prevent corrosion. Go to fogget.com to find out more. All right, next week at this time, many of you will be on your way to Gainesville Raceway. You'll be headed up there one way or another. You've got to stop at Bernie's for the big fan fest. That's it. Plan around it. And if you're going to Gainesville and you're thinking, well, it's a little bit of a drive, yes, but it's worth it. I did it last year. It's totally worth it. You get the drivers and that like uh, you know pre-cannonball run party atmosphere. At Bernie's last year, they had music, they had food, they had fun. There was a tram, like they need a tram. Where did they, where did Josh Hart get a tram? It was, it was awesome. And that was year one. I bet year two is even better. You'll love it. Go to Bernie's, B-U-R-N-Y-Z-Z.com. And remember, they buy and sell classic and exotic automobiles, muscle cars, exotic, luxury cars. They've got a great inventory of over 100,000 square feet on the property, buying and selling. and I. Uh, reach out to Josh. Follow their social media. That's Bernie Speed Shop. CWT Industries. These guys, if you work in a machine shop, if you have a balance machine, I'm talking to you. Just like any other product, you can stay with the old technology a little too long. That's just the way it is. Like It works. It's tried. It's true. But nowadays, quicker, faster, more accurate, easier to operate. The technology that goes into a CWT Industries machine is over the top. We're going to be playing some demonstrations from Randy Neal so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. But if you want a personalized introduction, if you are interested in updating your balance machine in your machine shop, or your engine shop, reach out to me. I'm telling you. CWTindustries.com. Of course, you learned a little bit about FTI performance transmissions and torque converters and total seal piston rings at the head of the show. Uh, this first race, total seal. We'll have a trackside tech talk Friday and Saturday. The schedule is a little different though. It's going to be in between the mission foods series rounds. So Hartford's going to be working on the car. They're going to be tuning the car. They wanted to give the Lucas oil series racers a better opportunity to enjoy the tech talks to come out and learn a little bit more about cylinder finish and ring seal. And they can't do that when they are racing. And so it's going to be between sessions one and two and three and four on Friday and Saturday at the total seal pit Hartford's uh, pit, I believe. Uh, so check it out. TotalSeal.com, And we'll be doing a preview episode of hidden horsepower. So be sure to not miss that that later on in the show i'll tell you about sam tech i'll tell you about torque calibration services i'll tell you about frank holly's drag racing school and of course my buddy marvin rodak it keeps me fueled up and ready to go not to mention our great friends at phillips connect.com let's bring on the voice of the nhra and the voice of firebird motorsports park i got to get me one of those hats reinhardt that's a great new logo the the Firebird. yeah it really is they, they, it, I didn't realize it, they were going to redo the whole facility. They painted it, they made it nicer.
0: Well, they want people that come into the gates to realize that this ain't the same old place. Um, you know, it, it's under new management, new way of thinking, new everything. And, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I was pretty excited. It was good to be there. It's nice to be able to call it Firebird and not get yelled at because it was always and always would be Firebird to me. So.
1: Brand recognition, uh, name recognition. There's something in that you want to keep a name. Uh, we we saw it in Palm Beach when they switched from Moroso Motorsports Park. It was originally PBIR, Palm Beach International Raceway, and then it switched to Moroso for like 30 years. And then when it switched back, a lot of people lost track. Oh, they got rid of the track. Now it's just a different name. And then they got rid of the track. But there's something in branding, and if it's always been Firebird. The idea that Firebird, plus Firebird is a cool name. It's like a car. Firebird. A lot of people have a Firebird like this guy.
0: Well, and Phoenix doesn't hurt either because, you know, Phoenix obviously was the legendary bird that rose from its own ashes. So it all works out perfectly.
1: It really does. It really does. Lonnie out there saying what's up to me and my dad. Oh, man, my dad's fine. Just a routine thing. Pete out there. Hey, Joe, were you going uh, with that mic in your hand? Very funny. Uh, we had a very big attention in the pits last week with Clinton F's comp car. It was it got 20,000 views in the first couple of days. Uh, people love visible innovation, Alan. They were all over that car. I was wondering, you know, Ford-powered dragster, would it have the juice? And everybody rushed to NHRA's social media page to, uh, to check it out. And they shared it, which was amazing. Um, I'm just telling you that. There's no real point.
0: No, it's cool. I uh, I actually found a new attention in the Pitts car for you uh, when you get out here. I'm not going to tell you what it is until you get here. So, uh, But I, there's this car that's been around for a long time and I've seen it a long time. And uh, I found some information about it this weekend that made you go, hmm, that's hmm. kind of cool. Somebody should spread the word. And uh, so when you get out here, when you and that car are at the same racetrack, then uh, I'll hook you guys up.
1: And please and thank you. And that goes to everybody out there. You know, you can wear me out about a cool car that deserves some attention. And then you know, we we put it to the panel, and then the panel of experts has to vote, and there's a whole procedure. So if it doesn't get featured, it's not my fault, people. But if it does get featured, then it is.
0: I'm sorry, Joe's fault. Yes. I point towards you, but on the camera it's got to be this it's Joe's exactly. fault. Joe's fault.
1: So you're in no, I mean, this little- is you
0: know, this is. This is no diesel Chevelle that pulls its own travel trailer, but it's a pretty cool car.
1: You're never going to beat that one. Like, that was just, uh, that was insane. Insanity. We're fifteen episodes into this deal, and uh, it's yeah, just you great. Paid like
0: 1,500 an episode, right? So you're doing that's pretty well on that deal.
1: Two grand, Alan. Don't shortchange me the 500 oh. bucks, you know. Come on. Two grand Sorry. an episode. Yeah. I got a retirement fund called Attention in the Pits. Uh, yeah. That's not true, people. Reinhardt paints with sarcasm. I think you should know that by now. So I'm waiting for your internet access to like clear up a little bit. You're a little fuzzy. It's, it's trying and you're not terrible. So we're going to keep going, but uh, if there's anything you can do, like, you know, like Scotty, give, give her all you've got.
0: There's there's not really a whole lot. There's not a whole lot I can do. So, and it's funny because usually when it's glitchy, I get you know, audio glitches, stuff coming through this side and it all like kind of looks and sounds good on my end. So I assumed that meant, uh, that meant I was good, but
1: well, you're not terrible. It's just a little, it's a little, it's not 100% clarity. Uh, you're a little hazy, but you know, some might find that better. So let's just keep going. All right. Give us your post-race report from uh firebird. I know Pete both. won super gas day one, and that's yep. just super cool. Way to go, Pete. We featured him on attention in the pit. So now you got 115. Eventually it's going to be everybody, but um quirky character, right? Like a character. Jaron settles one in super yeah. comp. Like we, we uh, you yeah, know, go for it. Tell us what happened.
0: Well, yeah. It, you know what? We had four days of good weather and you know, the routine, give us good weather and we'll take it from there. We had really good racing. A uh, couple of on track things, um, you know we had one on on sunday a top sportsman car but uh damaged car guy got out and walked away but overall it was a really good pretty clean race uh, you know maddie gordon's debut qualified number one went to the final and then lost by seven thousandths of a second uh johnny otten struggled with his car a little bit through qualifying ended up seventh and then came back and ended up winning the race did uh, kind of a reopening and they had Ron Caps out there. John Force and Brittany Force were there on Wednesday, filming some stuff, doing some social media, and doing some uh, legwork for the upcoming Arizona Nationals. But they had a fan day on Saturday, where they got all of the alcohol drivers together for an autograph session. They actually had posters uh, for the racetrack made up, you know, free, 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 jam-packed, while wow, you know, backed up for miles, kind of thing. But we had a uh, we had a turnout to come out on fan day and kind of get a a feel and a taste and a look of the new firebird motorsports park. So overall, uh, really, really good event. And, uh, and we're off and running now.
1: All my Arizona people out there, uh, not that I have tons, but everybody's got to go to that race. We got to We got to pack that house like more than we did last year. Everybody was like full of doom and gloom last year. You know, the power of positivity versus the power of negativity, We not only saved the place, like I say, we like I'm involved, but, uh, you know, we all we made the case last year and they saved the place. And now there's a little responsibility to that. We got to pack this house. We got to go there. We got to party hard. We got to put on great events. And it's right around the corner. I am just I, I think I'm most excited about going there than anywhere else this year because of that fact.
0: Yeah, I I am as well. You know, when I left there last year, I legitimately thought it might be the last time that I ever drove through those gates. And the fact that the racetrack was able to get a new lease on life is terrific. You know, there was community support. There was law enforcement support, obviously, you know, from racers and the fans and everybody that came out and all that stuff had something to do with it. But it ultimately came down to the Gila River Indian Council, the community who owns the land that had a change of heart and i've you know heard some things behind the scenes and some other stuff and i really you know i'm not going into any of that because i don't know any of it you know what's fact what's fiction what's whatever but the reality is that you know a combination of all of the things that happened uh caused a change of heart in the Hilo river indian community and casey buckman now is the guy who's the general manager um he you want to talk about grew up at the racetrack his mother was a vice president of the facility when Charlie Allen was running it. So he literally grew up at the racetrack. I mean, he knows every aspect from, you know, handing out time slips to standing at the ticket counter to, you know, working at the gates to sweeping the water box to everything. Um, You know, he's been through college and all that kind of stuff. But this is a guy that understands what you need to do to be successful at a racetrack, not just for a major event, but for the weekends, right? From the guys that come out, Chuck (laughs) Sundstrom, who's been running the racetrack uh, the drag strip, at least in the interim is still there. So he's going to be on board. They've got a really good support staff there. The folks at Radford driving school, uh, big supporters. I think it's everything about it right now is positive. There's a lot of energy going in the right direction. And, and, you know, in, in this day and age, we've lost so many racetracks in the last few years. It sure was nice to get one back.
1: Okay. Well, so, uh, it, you know, we're going heavy on Firebird, but rightfully so the site of my first, Uh, work with the NHRA as a track announcer. That was my first race. I was actually very sick, but I went there anyway. Sorry, guys, if I got you sick. It's been 12 years, so statute of limitations has expired. But if you go back and watch last year's pre-race show, there were some pretty intense and emotional moments while uh, folks from the tribe were on the stage, like race fans looking up, saying things like, you know, please save the track, like little moments of real humanity like drag racing humanity like and and we were there with some of the high level uh folks and it worked so you know practice those doe eyes people because it can work in the right Situation. Tater Troyer says, can't wait to start this year. Dragster Jeff is out there in line at Bakersfield, a March meet going on this weekend. We got all kinds of stuff going on. Baby Gators, you're headed to Florida, World Series of Pro Mod over there in Bradenton. Like there's a lot, we had lights out this past weekend. A lot of drag racing going on before the official start of drag racing season.
0: Well, the official start of the NHRA national events season, um, you know, is obviously a couple of weeks away, but there's, there's a lot going on. You know, everybody's been waiting for the weather to warm up and in the Southern part of the country, it has, everybody's been kind of chomping at the bit to get out and here we go. Right. Let's go. Let's I'm, I'm ready. Um, you know, combination of things. One, I'm not very good at sitting around doing nothing, sitting home doing nothing and I've been home way too long Two, Um, I, I'm a contractor if i'm going to work i'm getting paid if i'm not going to work i'm not getting paid and when i'm home i buy stupid stuff and silly things and and spend a lot of money that i shouldn't spend so it's better for me to be on the road um and i just you know i miss my racing family my racing family is really uh know the only one i have so i really miss being out there with my racing family it was good to be back in phoenix this weekend and kind of get a taste of everything and start giving away donuts again and you know just having fun at the races so looking forward to it yeah
1: it's 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 really that's what it's all about we talk about the cars Jim Grossi is this week's attention in the pits, a beautiful Corvette, but it's, it's not the cars, it's the people. It's always the people, the people you haven't seen in a long time. The people that uh, tell you a joke every once in a while, or they're intense competitors. And uh, we're looking forward to it.
0: Speak, speaking of donuts, I'm sorry, I, I meant to have this. start the
1: Yeah, look at this. Look at that. Look at the Hemi guys. He's got the CUDA. He's got the Mustang. He's got the Hemi. He's got the office chair. He's got the refrigerator. He's got the warning sign. He's got it all. It's like a clubhouse. I've been there. I've enjoyed it. I had, I went around the the neighborhood in that Mustang. We did not take a video. Let's see. All right, what do you So doing?
0: Um, When I went to pick up my donuts for my donut giveaway, I saw something that I had never seen before. Now, I want to know, how old were you the day that you found out chocolate Twinkies with chocolate cream filling was a thing? Is that the greatest thing you've ever heard of in your life?
1: Only if they last 100 years like a standard Twinkie does. Yeah, that's pretty great. Why do
0: you you think... Do you think if you have a box of these that they're going to last 100 years? I guarantee you somebody's going to eat them before. But chocolate Twinkies with chocolate cream filling, I didn't know it was even a thing. And? They're great.
1: They're great? I think you should eat one on the air to really drive home the point.
0: I only have one left.
1: I'm ah, you, all eight. right. Like, we're going real morning show on that, right? When Reinhardt brings out the snack food, and now he's uh, enjoying it. Like, it's very morning show, uh, which I like. I but I did saw your tweet.
0: Did you Did you know that was a thing?
1: No, nope. I saw your tweet. You ever seen him? And, no, yeah. I haven't. I stay off the snack food uh, aisle. And to be very honest, I'm more of a Drake's Cakes person than Hostess. Uh, but that's we're getting real in the weeds on snack uh, cakes. Um, Drake's is a duck. It's kind of a different thing. But yeah, chocolate Twinkies. Who knew? Who knew?
0: Who knew?
1: Who knew? And so, were you giving those out for what? What earned you a chocolate Twinkie?
0: Oh, nothing. Never mind.
1: Oh, okay. There it is. There it is. Terry is I actually out did there, give them you know?
0: a few. I I gave a few of them away. If a racer came into the tower and they had like a little kid with them, I'd be like, Hey, do you like chocolate? Here, you know. Don't tell your mom I gave this to you.
1: You know, the the uh the Lucas Oil series racers as a as a creature out there in the world, like uh I, I talked to some of them in Orlando and and who everybody's got an opinion, right? Like, um we are here at every race and would love to be recognized for the fact that we show up at every race like and that makes perfect sense um and it's it's hard when you got 6 700 in some cases 900 racers on the property to adequately recognize everyone but one thing that you cannot say is that there aren't people working in drag racing that uh don't really try their best to to make sure everybody feels appreciated. Like I I know you do like, you know, swinging by the gas station to grab something to give racers when they do well, that's not mandatory. That's your own deal. You're doing that for fun. We are trying so hard to make sure that that attitude that was maybe 20 years ago, right? Like the racers in the Lucas oil series are just schedule fillers in between nitro cars. That is not the case anymore. I'm on a soapbox, but what say you?
0: No, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, anything, I I think it's important for any organization to show appreciation to the people that support the organization, whether it's the fans coming through the gate, whether it's the racers coming through the gate. Um, and, you know, I think there are a number of racetracks that do it very well. Uh, there are a number of racetracks that I think could do it a little better. I know, you know, as I've traveled the country, I've had a lot of conversations with owners and with operators and, and people at racetracks and like, well, have you ever thought about, and I'm a big believer that it's the little things, you know, the little things make the biggest difference. You don't have to, you know, just the little stuff, you know, yeah. I, I appreciate when, you know, I go back to hotel and, and, you know, they've folded the, the, you know, the tissue nice and the thing, well, the little stupid stuff like that makes a difference. And at the racetrack, there was a guy that worked the back gate at Indy for a million years, and he would stand there at the back gate for years and years and years. And every time I'd come in, whether it was I haven't been there in six months or whether I was there yesterday, he would be standing at the gate like Walmart greeter style and say, welcome back. That was the first impression I had when I got to the racetrack every morning it was a guy with a smile on his face said, welcome back. When I went to the, the world of Coca-Cola years ago, uh went just went as a tourist. Went, I'm gonna go see the place. I'd been there a couple of times on various corporate occasions, but I'd never had a chance to really just go see the place. So I pull up and there's a guy standing, you know, there's kind of a booth to get in. And I pull up and the guy says, How are you doing, sir? And I said, He said You ever been here before? And I said, Well, I've been here, before. and he said, Well, he said, We're kind of slow today. He goes, You'd be better off if you go park on the third floor, then you walk straight across. You don't have to work with the elevator or anything, that it'll be I've been here 30 seconds. I got good advice. I had a guy smile at me and say, welcome, and thanks for coming. Stuff like that matters, you know, just showing your appreciation. And, you know, NHRA, showing appreciation to the sportsman racers, I think, is a big deal. I know there's some new programs coming this year, and I'm not going to spill them all, but there's a couple of things that are coming this year. You know, we talked about a little bit on the conference call the other day um, that is dedicated strictly to showing the sportsman racers a little bit of appreciation. And I uh, I think that's a great thing.
1: Yeah, and it's, um, you know, these things are, you got to roll them out, right? You got to roll them out. And I think that this year, uh, you know, it's not gold bars, guys. Don't get super excited. Let's lower the expectations a little bit. But it's what Alan said. It's just an appreciation. And uh, my recent jumping behind the wheel and pulling out into the water box and feeling that burn of competition, that didn't need to be reawakened, but it was. And to think of all these people that are coming out and spending their time and they're stacking up right now for the baby Gators. Like there's people in line right now. They're 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 sacrificing something to be with us. They're sacrificing either time with their family or maybe uh, making money at their job, taking a vacation day for that experience. And I I really think I really think that this year um, and over the past 10 years, think of when we first started the. Um, winner interview in front of the grandstand. It doesn't always happen because sometimes we have a problem. We got to get the Nitro Cars on live TV, which is very important, but that didn't used to happen. Like, you never got a winner interview with the guy who won Super Gas. He never got to even say anything in front of a camera or a person.
0: Well, what we used to do is bring everybody to the winner circle uh, to, the, to the winner circle stage like we now do with the pros, except we did it back in the staging lines. So... The sportsman racers would have to wait around. They did have a, an opportunity to come up on the stage and say thanks and, you know, have their family get t- their pictures taken and that kind of stuff, which was a nice deal. But then they would sometimes sit there for two hours while the pro drivers and teams took their pictures, did their stuff, did all the things in the winner's circle before the sportsman had a chance to do it. You know, part of the new process when we started doing this, and it was however many million years ago it was, heck, it was at Englishtown. So that gives you an idea how long of the first time we did it was, okay, they're finished. They get a chance to come up in front of the stands, in front of the crowd in the grandstands and thank their sponsors and say what they want to say and talk about their day. Get recognition for more than just 12 people that are there, you know, after we finish talking to the Nitro drivers in the winter circle, and then go get their pictures taken and get done, finished out of there. The first time we did it, I remember driving through the pits after it was over with and guys loading up their cars. And I said, well, what do you think? And the guy said, seriously? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you remember I won this race two years ago? And I said, yeah. He said, nine o'clock. I was still waiting to get my pictures taken. Said, it's 5.15. My car's in the trailer. I'm out the gate. I'm done. Finished. He goes, this is the most amazing thing. And you know, I love it when it works and it, like you said it doesn't always right whether we have weather delays on track delays things happen sometimes we got to make adjustments but when you have a chance to have let the drivers come down there have that moment and you know as well as anybody sometimes they get very emotional to get but that's a nice thing that we do for the sportsman racer you know if you win That's part of what you get when you win. And that's a nice thing. And anytime you can do something like that, you know, there, there certainly has been more focus the last few years about, you know, what can we do to try to make it a little better experience? And I know, you know, the casual fan, I think sometimes thinks, well, uh," you know, how many times last year, the last two years have we run the sportsman to conclusion on Saturday night? And I've... Heard from you know, casual fans that you know. Oh well, you know, you're just trying to run them out of there, so you don't want them there on Sunday, and you don't care. You know, you're running them in front of empty grandstands, and well, some of that, yes, is true. We're running them in front of empty grandstands, but the reason that's done is if we have a terrible forecast, if we know what Sunday is going to be, that we're trying to save them from having to be there on Monday, or from having to be there all day Sunday, sit around in the rain and not do anything, because you know as well as I do, it rains. And then we drive the track for two hours we're gonna run the pros and then if it rains another 10 minutes by the time we get the track drive, we're gonna run the pros and the sportsmen. this way they get a chance to run they get a chance to get finished get done get get packed up and get out of there if it's gonna rain on sunday you don't end up stuck in the mud all day you don't end up staying around till monday and those are things done for the benefit of the sportsman racer most of the sportsman racers understand that you know, would you rather run on yes but they've also, anybody who's been doing it for a while, has been there on a Sunday when you get called the stage in I go, well, geez, we're going to run top fuel. And then, you know, you called it range and you go back to the pitch, you get called the stage. Oh, well, geez, pro stock's ready. Sorry, we're going to run that. And that's the worst experience. If we can give them a better experience by not subjecting them to that Sunday, it may be a mess sometimes, then that's a positive And that's something that literally came up because it's like, look. These racers are really getting the raw end of the deal here. What if we just let them finish, get their stuff done and be done? You know, and nobody's telling them they have to go home. If you want to stay and watch Sunday, well, wonderful, do it. But you're not going to be stuck there all day Sunday, maybe Monday, whatever it's going to take to finish. If we can get you guys done and finished. And that was something that the only person that benefits is the sportsman racer. And the vast majority of those in that you Know the vast majority of racers appreciate that, even if some from the outside don't really quite understand,
1: right? There's always a reason, and uh, it, it you know, if you got 100 people and we're giving out a hundred dollar bills, 80 will be happy, 20 will say it's not enough, or 10 will say it's not enough, and 10 will say it's too much, they shouldn't have done it. it it's just the way of uh, the math of opinions, um, but. There's a the reason is to try to do the right thing. Tell me about Maddie Gordon. Brian Howe wins the race. First of all, Brian wins the race. That's what matters the most. The guy who won the race. But everyone is super excited that Maddie was the number one qualifier and she goes out there in her first race, makes the final round. Uh, you have created the uh, alcohol rookie of the year, and we have a tight race because Angel also runnered up to Jackie Frick in her, uh, you know, divisional, uh, debut in 2024. And so tell me about Maddie a little bit and, uh, and then we'll talk a little on gel.
0: Well, in six runs that counted for real and Maddie made a couple of runs, all of the racers had an opportunity on Thursday. There was a couple of test and tune sessions. If they wanted to come up and make a run, didn't count, but you know, just kind of blow the cobwebs off kind of thing. Uh, but in six, competition runs which was three qualifying runs on friday and three elimination runs on saturday maddie's slowest run was 549 and she qualified number one uh six car field she won the first round earned the by run in the second round had lane choice going into the final and in the final she and brian left within one thousandth of a second she left first by one thou he outran her by eight so the margin of victory was double oh seven but there's not a soul in the place that looked at her and thought, "Oh, uh, let's see what the rookie's going to do this time." She didn't make any mistake. She didn't do anything, you know, that made anybody think that she was a rookie. And I actually saw Brian. He came up into the tower afterwards and we we're chit-chatting with him a little bit. And I said, uh, "You know, uh, congratulations. You must be so proud." I said, "You beat a teenage girl." and he said let me tell you something he said you pull up in the water box you look over there he said that's the world championship car and if you think that she can't drive it you're an idiot you're gonna he said you have to approach that like i'm racing the world championship team and that's exactly how we approached it and he ended up getting a win so you know maddie's day is coming Uh, i thought it was interesting i talked to tony stewart on saturday night after the race and uh said you know i i have a feeling you know i said you remember that feeling right And he kind of laughed and he said you know what he said when she does win and we all know she's going to he was in uh brainerd minnesota when she was making her license passes on monday and talked to her a little bit there and and got to know the family a little bit he said when she wins and we know she's going to it'll be even more special because that one that first time when i you know missed it by that much and uh he said i'm he said i'm looking forward to it he said "I, i hope that i'm there to see it when she does win that first one so uh, we'll find out. He'll have an opportunity in Pomona. They're not going to Gainesville.
1: Okay. Can't wait. Jackie Frick defeats Angel. The people who went to No Problem Raceway were treated to a, uh, you know, star power final round. Kyle Smith wins Alcohol Funny Car over Christine Foster. Adam Hickey wins Comp Eliminator. But, uh, you know, Angel and Jackie battling it out down there at uh, Bell Rose. And I, our, our own correspondent, Bobby Graham was out there sending photographs. We talked about it last night. He gave a full report on the ignition show and uh, they had a great crowd there as well. Nelson and Marla have put together a good program there at no problem. And uh, we are off to a solid start.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, you know, baby Gators coming up this week and you mentioned the March meet, And then at that point, we fire off the uh, the mission season and, and bring the pros out for their first official race of the year. Really, really looking forward to it.
1: All right. you name dropped smoke a moment ago, right? Which I think is cool. But uh, they're they're in the news right now. And I'm wondering, I'm just hitting you over the head with this. And maybe, you know, or maybe you don't know. Steve Brenwald of Brenwald Media texted me. He's like, hey, Leah's off the entry list like she was on the entry list. Now she's off the entry list. And there's that whole story that you explained to us last week about how they're going to try to get smoke qualified early. And then Leah's going to run the Pep Boys. If, if, but if he's not qualified, then she might not. And then Josh Hart. Um, has there been any evolution? on that story and do we know why leah is now off the entry list people are even in the chat section asking
0: well to tell you that's the first i've heard of it so i have no inside information i have no my thought would be that leah was never going to run the gator nationals so i don't know why she would have been on the entry list in the first place but i don't know i don't have any inside information anything other than like i said that she was never planning on running the gator nationals so if she was on the entry list for the gator nationals it may have just been somebody went you know because there's so much stuff that goes those entry lists right there's a lot of fans that look at them but they're there for a reason when they draw the pit maps when they set up the run orders when they do all of that kind of stuff it's the names that are on on the entry list and i would pure speculation on my part i'm wondering if somebody went you know She's not racing the Gator Nationals, so she's not going to take up an extra pit spot. Because if she runs the call-out race, they're going to run it. They're going to run her car out of Tony's trailer. So they're just not going to run Tony's car that day. She's not going to be in the run order when they generate, you know, the first run order based on points when they come out. So it's not going to be her and Doug being in the last pair. As actually, she was third in points, so she's not going to be second to the last pair. So. Pure speculation. I just wonder if somebody went, you know, if she's not running the Gator Nationals, we should take her name off the entry list so she doesn't become part of all of this automatic generated stuff that comes from that list. That's just, you know,
1: what, what's exciting about that uh, for me is that, people are on there looking at the entry lists like studying the entry list who's in who's out who's coming who's not coming like that's the level of excitement that we have for Mission foods drag racing here at 2024 all right Elsie Miller is out there he's a loyal fan goes to many races is a West Coast guy he has a question that uh we can tackle for a moment we're gonna guys we're gonna run down uh, you know a lot of hot topics so put your comments in the comments section and of course share the show we're always fighting the algorithm we went over 3,000 subs on YouTube finally that is tremendous thank you so much everybody and nhra.com for posting our garlets video last week big daddy always has got uh big uh big numbers but Elsie wants to know how come no winter nationals as the start of the season anymore are you guys allowed to talk about why are you allowed to talk about why the winter nationals aren't the start anymore alan
0: well we've actually talked about it quite a bit um you know sure pomona was historically the beginning of the season and we would go to Pomona and then we would go to Phoenix and then we would go to Gainesville and then we'd work our way back across the country. We'd go to Atlanta, we'd go to Houston, we'd come back out to Las Vegas and then we'd head back East again. Well, it started um, coming out of COVID because we couldn't race in California. You know, California was one of the more locked down states and we couldn't race there to start the season. So, so many of the teams test in Florida. Anyway, so many of the teams are down there And it made more sense if everybody's going to go down there and test for the week before, two weeks before, to just let them leave their rigs, park their stuff, drive to Florida test, drive all the way to Pomona. Plus, we no longer have Atlanta and Houston. So what would you do? Would you go to Pomona, Phoenix, Gainesville, Vegas? That doesn't make any sense. Would you go to Pomona, Phoenix, Vegas? Well, Vegas got NASCAR this weekend. So if we had started our traditional, you know, middle of February, we can't run the same weekend NASCAR does in Vegas, and we wouldn't want to run the next weekend either. You know, the Vegas fans, many of them would choose one or the other if they were back to back, because, you know, you get it, right? Everybody's not going to be able to afford a big ticket item every weekend or two weekends in a row. So you've got to separate those events a little bit. Um, You know, we no longer have as I mentioned, Houston and Atlanta. So it made more sense. If the teams are all going to be in Florida anyway, start in Florida and then we'll come West. We'll run Pomona. We'll take a week off. We'll run Phoenix. We'll run Vegas. Assuming that somebody doesn't tear up a lot of stuff or have a big issue, their trucks aren't going to go back and forth. They'll run Pomona. They'll bring them over and park them all in Phoenix for a week. And then they'll run Phoenix and then they'll go up to Vegas and they won't have to worry about burning all the diesel fuel all the miles all the stuff running back and forth to indy to come out and run the three races and at that part then at that point then we'll move back to the east part of the country but it was a combination of things since we lost two of our stops coming across and certainly when we thought phoenix was going away it would have been worse you know then what are you going to do you're going to go pomona gainesville vegas you can't possibly do that i mean you'd be killing the race teams and There are also a number of people that I I hear from from time to time. It's like, you know, NHRA just has no idea what these truck drivers and what these people are going through. You do realize that NHRA has six semis and five fifth wheel tags and the dualies and all that up and down the road. Yes, NHRA knows exactly what the truck drivers are dealing with, how far they've got to go, what they've got to do to stay legal, because we do or they do exactly the same thing to get their trucks, trailers and equipment up and down the road from race to race.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it, and starting off the season uh, with a blockbuster event that's going to be sold out over 100,000 people going through there. The biggest event in the city of Gainesville, bigger than Gator Growl or anything that the UF uh, University of Florida does. Um, you know, it, it's it's just huge. It's just huge. And on the flip side of it, the California side of the deal, we were just there for the In-N-Out Burger Finals, just a couple of months ago, you squish the holidays in there, where so people are going to the finals, people are spending money on the holidays, and then at the start of the season, you ask them to come back. That's kind of a tough, tough deal. I, I like a little extra space. Who knows if it'll stay this way, but it has worked the past couple of years. Well, you and just, honest,
0: it, go ahead. You just like it because you're in Florida. Yeah, that's true, too. You, well, you anyway, just like it because you're in Florida.
1: Last year was a big year. And like you said, with I would, the testing, it opens up a lot of testing opportunities. The whole thing that happened in Bradenton was only possible because of this schedule uh, update. So, um, you know, it all depends on how you look at
0: it. Yeah. But, you know, in years past, the, the teams would come out, they would test in Phoenix or Vegas. There were a number of years they actually tested in Tucson uh, before they went to the Pomona event. But I would love, you know, get us another racetrack in Houston, get us another racetrack in Atlanta, place, I don't know, maybe Oklahoma, someplace so we can work across the southern part of the, of the country to start the season. And if we start in Pomona again and work our way east and west, then I, I'd be 100 for that. But this time of the year, you you can't race in Brainerd, you can't race in New Hampshire, you can't—it's just not possible. So we've got to stay in the southern part of the, of the country and starting in Florida and then heading west is uh, is okay with me. I I like I liked Pomona one because we started earlier, right? I mean, we used to run Pomona like Valentine's weekend, give or take. Yeah. So that would have been a month earlier and then I wouldn't, you know, be home spending money on stupid stuff and bored and you know.
1: But you have chocolate Twinkies, so stop complaining. Like you know, cures a lot.
0: Chocolate Twinkies will cure a lot of evil. No doubt. Derek says,
1: Derek says, do you remember a time when we had so many rookies? So I'm looking at the top fuel entry list up on another screen. And I'm excited because, you know, Cody Crone is on the entry list. Sean Reed, not really a rookie, but back as a team owner. Uh, He's not eligible for rookie of the year, but back. Tripp Tatum, back. Uh, Exciting to see some of these names back along with. Tony Stewart and Tony Schumacher, uh, one after the other on the entry list. Like, you know, Doug Coletta, the champ, Steve Torrance. Like, how do you not get excited about this? Got 17 cars listed right now.
0: I'm sorry, Joe, but I'm being sure. Are, do we know that Sean Reed's not eligible for Rookie of the Year? Because, I mean, somebody I, said I, Dan Wilkerson was, and I was thinking if Dan Wilkerson's eligible for Rookie of the Year, then Sean Reed should be.
1: Okay, so definitely not officially. But I f- feel like Sean ran like eight races back in his, uh, you know, Bob Vandergriff, uh, you know, C and J energy uh, time or in that era. But really, that's just a feeling. And it's not uh, like official. Well, if you he know.
0: if he did run enough races in one year that he was on the ballot for rookie of the year in one year, that he would not be eligible to do it again. And I guess Dan has never run it, even though Dan, you know, I mean, been driving a car for more than a decade but he's never run i think more than two or three races a year so i guess if he's never been on the rookie ballot that might explain
1: yes but it is exciting and you need and i don't mean this in a negative way i mean it in a positive way you've just got to have fresh energy Every once in a while, you have to have a replenishment of energy. You've got to have people and Maddie Gordon is a perfect example. There are others of people going through the experience for the first time again, because they're going to, you know, they don't know what they don't know. They're going through it. Will they get rattled? How will they handle it? All of those fun stories. Like if everyone is just the old grizzled veteran going out there to do it again for the eighth or 10th time or the 15th time on the ride, um, it's it's not as interesting. And also, for whatever reason, young and new fans don't want to just follow the same person that everybody else is following for the past 10 years. Like, yeah, who's the guy everybody else roots for? Uh, that guy. Well, that's going to be my guy. No, that's not how it works. That's what Jeff Gordon proved. Jeff Gordon proved that there was a whole wave of people that were possible uh, NASCAR fans but they didn't want to root for Daryl Waltrip or Richard Petty or Dale Earnhardt. They wanted to root for somebody new and different and fresh. And when Jeff Gordon came around, they, they latched onto him for 20 years. Um, you've got to have that happening. And maybe Daniel Wilkerson is that guy for a bunch of people out there that we don't even realize.
0: Well, it's going to be fun to watch because, you know, obviously he's got a big personality. Um, he can drive the car, you know, he is a fresh base to a lot of the fans, even though those of us inside the bubble uh, know Daniel very well and, uh, you know, watch him grow up in the sport and, and watched him progress through all of the stuff that he's done. But, yeah, I think a lot of the casual fans are going to get, you know, their first opportunity. And I think the fact that, you know, Tony Stewart's going to go to a lot of racetracks for the first time this year is also going to be a big deal. You know, Tony Stewart's never been to Seattle International Raceway, but he will be this year.
1: Yeah, um, at night. Knight you know, there, there's the smoke.
0: Yeah, and there's there's a couple of stops on tour, you know, where they didn't run alcohol cars. Like Tony raced last year in St. Louis, but not at the Nationals. And so for the Nationals fans, this will be their first opportunity to see him out there racing. And I think you know, I think there's there's a lot to be excited about in NHRA right now.
1: Yeah, uh, that, that Tony Stewart story, I, I I keep flashing back with a little like minor PTSD to the PRI uh backlash about it. But the closer we get. To the actual start of the season and Tony Stewart racing is doing a great job with uh, all their social media, Mahindra coming on for a couple of races. They're doing a great job like getting people stoked about it. Um, You know, everybody's kind of like went crazy because that's really what it was. It was like mob mentality. Crazy. You need to reevaluate what you were thinking back then. I'm not saying write an apology letter or anything, but I'm just saying like, as we get closer This is a massive story that transcends drag racing and goes well beyond into uh, other forms of racing. You know, you saw Leah, you saw Smoke out there in Atlanta as they're getting ready, National Anthem playing. You realize this guy's got so many eyes on him that you're not going to fully understand until he's on the track.
0: Agreed. And, you know, he's getting in, you know, a very good race car. He's going together with a proven team and crew chief combination and he's got everything he needs to be successful. Anybody that thinks he's not going to be, hasn't followed anything that uh, that that guy's done throughout the course of his motorsports career, because he's, he's a student of the game. He understands that I can't just, you know, show up, you know, and poof that I've got to study. I've got to work at it. I've got to practice my craft. I've got to do this stuff to do well. And he did that last year in the alcohol car all the way to a second place finish nationally. And he's going to do exactly the same thing in the top fuel car. There's a reason that they were going out there making so many test runs and doing so much stuff to get him into the routine to get him so that when he goes to Gainesville, he's not sitting in the car trying to go, OK, now what am I supposed to do first? Um, they want him to be comfortable enough by the time he gets in there that everybody will look at him as a championship contender from the first race he runs, the first run he makes, not as a rookie.
1: That's uh and yes, he is eligible. Kelly wants to know is he eligible for rookie of the year?
0: And he is. Oh, absolutely. He's never he has never run a professional race in NHRA. So he is absolutely eligible for rookie of the year.
1: Geron Settles is out there. He wants. Uh, he wants a shout out for winning supercomp. Why did Why did he take a bye in the final? What was uh, What was so, up with that?
0: So apparently, Geron is tuning in late because we talked about that. At Come on, Joe ran down the winners at the beginning of the show. Um,
1: WFO, yeah, you know that cool was from, winner.
0: from the from the heartbreaking ways to lose a drag race, and it's killing me that I can't remember the gentleman's name right now. But won the quarterfinals with. A by to the final, they got back to the to the pit afterwards. Found a broken frame rail that was unrepairable.
1: Oh my gosh! Could
0: not come up and could not come up and take the by run. And I'm thinking, if it's me, give me a couple of popsicle sticks and some duct tape, right? I can I can idle this dang thing into the beam and at least get credit for that and i didn't see it but i was told that damage was severe enough that it could not the car would not be able to roll to the starting line because by rule you have to stage a car under its own power and so instead of being runner-up a no-show in the semis you get credit for losing in the semis which is heartbreaking whether it's points whether it's contingency whether it's everything and then that made the other semi-final run uh the you know, the de facto finals, the winner of that one was just going to be the champion. And that was Jaron.
1: That is a bummer. That's a yeah. bummer, man. Like big bummer, major bummer, man. My gosh. But Jaron, congratulations. Like uh, in the end, uh, Jaron is able to capitalize and start off the season real strong, right? Like it was a point last year where he was kicking rocks. He was not uh, feeling his best about his on-track performances. And now that's, that's over way to go. Jaron.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it, Hopefully, it sets the tone for the season. We, we we've seen guys do it both ways, right? You go to the first couple of races and just get your teeth kicked in, and then you go back and refocus and come to life. But uh, it sure takes a little pressure off when you when you're knocking down rounds or picking up a win here early in the season. Now, I don't know. Uh, is he driving back to Florida?
1: Unknown. Well, he flies. He's flying airbrush. So he was not. No, driving
0: he, drew, he, he he drove to Pomona because he stopped by here on the way. They had finished up Chad Axford's car from the just because you know things are funny. Chad Axford's brand new uh, top sports or top dragster, which what Geron was pedal was painting. And then they drove it out here, but it's brand new. So Chad entered his old car in the race because he wanted to go out and get some points and wanted to, you know, they wanted to be able to test and tune, get a couple of runs on the thing before he entered it. So for race number two, I guess the light bulb went on and it's like, well, what if I just entered it in super comp? So I could make a couple of runs with it. And he was the only guy there that his super comp car was faster than his top dragster. So <laughs> I, you know, that doesn't happen very often.
1: No, that's but when that's, he came um... up
0: for the, for the, uh, time trial and super comp, race two was one run and go. So when he came up for the one time trial run in super comp, uh, he made like an 800 foot or a thousand foot checkout run and then came up in first round and just told the guy he was racing, look, don't do anything stupid here. I'm testing a car. I'm going to run, you know, I'm going to break out. Just, and so he went ahead and ran the thing down, but uh, yeah, his, uh, his top sports or his top dragster was slower than his super comp car. You don't see that very often.
1: Exactly. Um, captain lucky talking about smoke says when he wins in top fuel, he will become the greatest race car driver ever in history. His re- resume will, uh, will prove it arguably, arguably, yeah. You know, like he's already discussed with, uh, you know, super tax and Mario and, uh, if he does get an NHRA national event win and top fuel under his belt, that would be uh, considerable if we're comparing resumes, which is very difficult to do. And we don't like to do that.
0: Well, I'm going to introduce him to Sean Reed. So after he wins his first top fuel race, um, he can go get in a boat.
1: Right. Get in a boat. Get in a boat.
0: Yeah. I mean, Sean's yeah. a multiple time champion on drag boats. So, uh, yeah. that. You
1: know, so I want to show goal. you this. You know, we, we talked about the International Drag Racing Hall of Fame. Uh, something that will be going on there is they're gonna show a four minute clip of the new Fox Sports Shirley Muldowney biography that is coming out. That is gonna be on Fox Sports One Shirley. Last week when I had Garlitz on there, Shirley sent me a, a note, but it I didn't notice it until afterwards. But anyway, people who go to the Hall of Fame are gonna get this poster for free. And then and then there will be uh some with Shirley at the Gator Nationals. And so you can get this amazing poster, but this is pretty much the, uh, the movie poster for this movie. And there will be a screening, a full screening at the Hilton in Gainesville on Friday, a week from this Friday, Amanda Busick is going to be there for a big Q and a with Shirley. And it's going to be a big deal. And that is after, uh, hopefully racing has concluded on Friday, early evening at the Hilton. So I wanted everybody to know about that and check out this poster. You'll be able to track down Shirley. And I'm really excited about this, Alan, because, you know, I I feel like Shirley was um, so early in the evolution of like female drivers that she she's not even to this day. Hopefully this bio, you know, she gets the credit that the rest of the motorsports world, uh, you know, has has built upon what she has done, except she did it 30 years too soon.
0: Well, yeah, and it was a different time back then now to be fair i have all the respect in the world for shirley and she did get quite a bit of recognition at the time but it was just a different world i mean shirley was on the tonight show with johnny carson after winning one of her championships and she did get some of that mainstream media but before you had the internet before you had all you know before you had the nine thousand outlets and everything there was today there is today there just weren't that many things available But I do think that it's wonderful that this is an opportunity for a new generation to learn about and see all of this stuff that happened. Because, you know, there's just there's so much there's so much history that modern day NASCAR fans certainly understand who Richard Petty is. Right. But how many of them really understand just what a force of nature he was at the time when he was racing? and I think that you know Shirley was that force of nature at the time when she was racing but a lot of our modern fans don't know that and the, her story has not been told nearly as in depth as you know some of the other some of the other early heroes in various sports so I think this is a terrific thing I think it's great for her and uh, you know she and I have have known each other for quite some time we have uh, a very good relationship you know just you know checking in on each other and and keeping track of each other and I've always had a ton of respect for what she's done, but racers to this day, female racers to this day, understand that the reason that their road is so much less bumpy is because Shirley is the one that smoothed it out back in the day when, I mean, it's, it's fact there were, she was not wanted at the racetrack. Right. Not want,
1: get out of here. We don't want you to get our kind here with no women in the pits. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. Crazy. That's crazy. Like, what kind of a crazy mentality is that? Sammy wants to know if Petty won in NHRA. Do you know? Did the King win in NHRA? He was running as a stalker or super stalker. It wasn't in a nitro car.
0: It was an an AFX car, but uh, not at the national event level. I do believe he had some success on the division region level. But back then, you'd have to remember also that division races counted towards the world championship. You know, there weren't nearly as many national events. You didn't run all over the country. Your national event score was much like what Lucas score is now is a combination of national and divisional events. And I do believe he had success on the division level, but not not at the national level.
1: But the King did run... Uh, a little NHRA drag racing back in the day. Just to put a little more meat on the bone, it's at the Hilton, 7 to 10 p.m., March 8th. After the documentary, there's going to be a Q&A with Don and Shirley. Amanda Busick is going to be hosting that. Now, this is a ticketed event, though, guys. It's not like just show up for free and watch the thing. Like you got to buy tickets. If you're going to see Amanda interview Shirley and Don Garlitz uh, and watch a private screening with them, uh, there is a bit of a cost. I will throw that in the, the link in the chat section before the show is over.
0: Definitely. Cool. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing the show. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing, you know, and Don and Shirley for a number of years had a very contentious relationship, you know, even though, you know, Don was, I think, instrumental in her getting the license in the first place, but for a number of years, they, uh, they th- those two didn't spend a lot of time at happy hour together. If you know what I'm saying.
1: Steve Evans asked Shirley to rate Don Garlitz as a driver and she called him marginal. And I remember that to this day, I I'd call him marginal. Like, Oh my gosh, what a word, like going into the vocabulary to like, really, you might as well have said the modern term, I believe is meh, you know, like just like meh.
0: Well, even in the days when they were touring together, they weren't friendly to each other. You know, they were at one point, the two biggest names in in the sport and they toured together, did match races, did, you know, best two out of threes at you know, big tracks, little tracks around the country. But they didn't get along. They were out there strictly for financial reasons. They were here at Tucson dragway. When I was a kid, I couldn't tell you what year it was, but it was you know the old Tucson dragway. And they were here running a best two out of three match race. Don Garlitz made the first five second run in the Arizona history. And on one of the runs, D- Garlett's car kind of moved over. He straightened it back out and was able to save the run. And Shirley, to this day, swears he crossed the center line and that she should have won the two out of three match race uh, and didn't. And the, and like I said, there was you know those two had a very contentious relationship. Years later. Um, you know, they, they kind of, you know, buried all that in the past and, and got back to where they now have, um, you know, a, a, good relationship, you know, they'll talk to each other and tell stories when, when they both went through the same hell on the road, so to speak. Um, I think, you know, once you put all that behind you, it, uh, kind of bonds you together. And I think that's what happened with the two of them. So we got
1: Swamp Rat Alley at the Gators. We got the Shirley documentary at the Gators, some news that happened yesterday. That's right, folks. We're getting to all the news, the return of L.E. Tonglet with, uh, you know, chaos uh, sponsorship on a Vance and Hines motorcycle, the debut, first ever, of the Vance and Hines lease program. So that's pretty tremendous. L.E. Tonglet, um, you know, the guy's won the U.S. Nationals. He's a champion. He has done such a great job over the years, but he's been a firefighter. He's raising a family, but now he's back. And it looks like we're going to lose kid chaos for the first half of the season while well, he does the same thing, but will return for the second half is what I took from it. So, you know, a little coming and going with uh, drivers who are starting families, but the return of L E with Vance and Heinz power, watch
0: out. And that's going to be another really good motorcycle, really good rider on the track out there. You know, last year gauge ran rush out over everybody. Um, This year, obviously, he wants to come back and do that again. And I don't think they've done anything on his team to slow him down. Uh, Putting Richard Getson on another Vance Hines house bike is going to bring some competition. But if you don't think Matt Smith was pissed off at the end of last year and has been spending the the whole winter break working to try to get back on top, then you don't know Matt Smith. And same thing about little Hector. And, you know, same thing about the alligator team. And there's a lot of guys out there that dedicated the last four months of their life to making sure that Gage Herrera doesn't beat them over the head from coast to coast and border to border again this year and putting Ellie back in the mixes. Uh, it's just going to be one more really tough player. They're going to have to deal with.
1: Yeah. R- Richard Gadsden. That's going to be very interesting. Like Gage has got, competition this year uh not that matt smith wasn't and matt was definitely working hard to change it but now uh his year of total domination is bringing people back out right like they want to if i was a driver a rider like le i would want to go try to bring the pain to uh you know a new new young blood that's out there dominating the world i'd want to test my own metal. Uh, Chris Bostick getting a shout out, uh, do well on the war bike. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It's Tim Colungian now an owner of the war bike. That is, uh, that is pretty cool. And I am excited about, uh, that Steve Evans deserves a movie. He was in tremendous talent. You were personal friends with Steve Evans.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I wish he would have, I wish he would have lived long enough to write his book because he said for years, When I retire, when I go, you know, get off the road, go back and he said, I'm going to write a book about all of my adventures out here in television. And I don't know that there's anybody in the modern era that did as much stuff as Steve did. I mean, from NASCAR to IndyCar to World of Outlaws to swamp buggies to drag racing to, you know, at, at the time when he was involved, there weren't a lot of specialists in every particular motorsport, but there were motorsport specialists, and that's what Steve was. If it had an engine on it, then you know I, I remember him, you know, doing things from the Copper Classic, um, all the stuff that he did, and you know he was instrumental in my career when I met him early '90s. Um, we were talking at the end of the racetrack in Phoenix one time, and that was at the time when driver interviews in in venue over the PA was a very very new technology, and we did it with two way radios and i would go down to the top end of the racetrack literally with a two-way radio yeah i'm down here with joe amato tell me about your run and i would and dave mcclellan in the tower would have the other two-way radio hold it up to the microphone and that's how they went out wow but steve evans doing the television side of things and me doing the in venue side of things uh we had you know a lot of times to strike up conversations and chit chat and stuff and he mentioned one time he's you know asked me how long i'd been in the business what i had been doing and uh, he said i think you do a nice job kid and I gave my phone number and I said, tell that to everybody, you know, and then he <laughs> called me <laughs> that legitimately happened. And then he called me um, a couple of months later and he said, uh, we've got some opportunities. We're going to be needing some, some more people. And he said, uh, you know, I, I dropped your name. He said, would you be interested in doing a videotape audition for diamond Peace sports? And I t- I remember it like it was yesterday, right? You got to really mull that over for a while. I said, you know, hell yes. And he said, great. Can you be in English town day after tomorrow? And if somebody called me today and said, hey, can you be in Atlanta tomorrow? At noon? Yeah, no problem. It's what I do. Right. But then, one, you couldn't just go on the Internet and book a ticket because oh. it didn't exist.
1: Right. How did they and buy tickets back then? Like, we don't even know.
0: You called a travel agent or you went to the airport or that's how you bought tickets. And I had been on a couple of airplanes in my life, but not very many. And I had never bought the ticket, right? Be on a family vacation or done whatever. So I told Steve, I said, um, I, "I don't know. I said, I'll I can try." I said, "If I have to, I'll, I'll figure out something." But I said, well, "It sure would be nice to have a little bit more notice." I mean, you know, I'm in Arizona. And uh, he said, "Oh yeah," I said, "I don't know what I'm thinking." He said, "How about Columbus next week?"
1: I oh right, yeah, town, Columbus. English I, town would have been easier. I said,
0: I said "That's in Ohio, right?" <laughs> and I said, "If you can get within a thousand miles of me, that'll be that'll be easier for me." I said, "If I have to do this, I'll figure out a way to do it. Whatever I got to, if I have to do it, I'll do it." I said, "But if I could have a little more advance notice, that would be nice because I really would like to tell the company that I work for where I I was I was a shop foreman. I had People working under me, people counting on me, people, just, you know, if I just said, Hey, I'm not going to be here for the next couple of days. That wouldn't have been probably a good thing. So I said, if I could get a little more notice, that would be good. If you could get within a thousand miles of me, that would be very helpful. And he said, Oh yeah. He said, well, none of this is going to happen until next year. So he said, it's not something that we really need to do. And, and I said, well, okay. When would you be a little closer to where I am? And he said, how about Denver in July? And I said, I can make that work i've heard of denver <laughs> it's, i, yeah. I kind of know where it is um uh, but that was the first time that i bought my own plane ticket it was the first time i'd rented my own car um i flew to denver i drove to the racetrack i didn't even have a hotel reservation i mean i, I what do i know right right and when i when i left the racetrack i thought okay well, i'm gonna get on this road and i'm just gonna keep driving straight until i find a motel So that tomorrow I just have to go out of the motel and go straight back to the racetrack and there's no chance of getting lost. And I did my audition um, that weekend with Diamond P Sports. And the next year they hired me to work with Bob Fry on what was at the time the Autolite Sportsman Challenge that aired on Prime Network. Anybody remember that? And uh, so anyway, but yes, uh, uh, knew Steve very well. It was a horrendous tragedy uh, to lose him so young and in the way that happened. And I'm really sorry that he never got to write his book because – so many things that he went through in the world of motorsports and in the world of television that I think would have been a fascinating read. And he just never got a chance to put it all together.
1: C5 Pete wants to know what, what age were you? Like I, that, that's a good like life lesson for a lot of people out there. Young people, Pete is not, but uh, how old were you when that all went down?
0: Uh, 26, 25, 26, something like that. 20. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere in there.
1: Very good. So, you know, lesson to your kids out there, it's okay to be a little bit of a pain. Make make uh you know you could have gone to English Town the next day but that would have been uh, a tough deal. All right, one more question. You know on the uh, Patreon show, our Patreon page, we got Michael Heiner, uh, get biofuel, Pro Stock crew chief, does his show. Hear it from Heiner, and it's for uh, you know the Patreons and the supporters of the show. People can join. But we've been talking a little bit about some of the new rules in the intake manifold of these pro stockers. And uh, as I understand it, and he has explained like any like little directional winglets and things to direct airflow and all that is now no longer allowed. Whereas in the past, maybe it was. And during the EFI era, you know, we got this uh, blade up front and we're taking the air from the front of the engine and we're trying to direct it down into these ports and it's a great challenge, et cetera. And so on. Um, they found out like a month and a half ago, that their intake manifolds cannot have anything inside them, like any little directors or uh, how is that going to change what we see out on the track, if at all?
0: I guess we'll see. Um, You know, I'm not, I'm not deep enough inside to know, but if you think about airflow, you know, with in the days of the two four barrels, you have two carburetors up on top and you basically had an air intake of Venturi over every cylinder, more or less. When you look at, you know, the mountain motors and and the big stuff, they'll actually have four, two barrels instead of two, four barrels so they can split them and move the carburetor so that they're more directly over. So you had a fairly direct path for the air to come through the carburetor into whatever runner. When they went to the manifold combination that they have right now with all of the air coming into the front, it is next to impossible to get even airflow into all eight of those intake ports. Because when, you're, when your entrance is right here, you're not going to have the same airflow here as you're going to have back there when all you have to work with is the ram air effect coming into the manifold. So putting uh, deflectors or um, some kind of directional fin in the manifold to direct some air here and some air there and some uh, would help even out the flow going in and it's i don't know to what extent it was being done i don't know that everybody was doing it um, but i don't even know i don't know why nhra would have felt that this was a rule that needed to be mandated but uh it might have been something that they figured you know it's getting to the point that it's getting out of hand and the easiest thing to do is just ban it all um, but as far as how much of a difference it's going to make, I honestly don't know that. Um, I haven't spoken to anybody who's had him on the dyno or who's been messing with him. I, Heiner would certainly know more about them than I would, I would think.
1: Well, we'll, uh, and I invite everybody to go check out the hear it from Heiner show on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash WFO radio for those that want to support the show and go behind the scenes and be a part of that community. Um, great stuff, Alan, any final thoughts for everybody out there? I got a little story I want to tell you, but, uh, final thoughts.
0: Well, I, I just have one. You mentioned the uh, all of the festivities around the uh, Drag Racing Hall of Fame uh, that Don Garlitz that you've been hosting now for a number of years and terrific. Pro- I love what Don does and his museum and his Hall of Fame and everything is wonderful. Uh, for those who may not know, the Motorsport Hall of Fame of America is also headquartered in Florida. It's down in Daytona. And the Motorsport Hall of Fame of America covers all american motorsports and every year there is one person from stock car racing one person from open wheel racing one person from drag racing one person from motorcycle racing that gets inducted into the motorsport hall of fame of america the drag race inductee this year is austin Coyle, and he uh, asked me if i would go down and do the induction speech uh putting him into the thing and i'm very honored to be able to do that Uh, i was Terry Vance invited me to do it when Vance and Hines got inducted a few years ago. It is a really, really nice deal. It is a tremendous honor for me to be able to go down there and give the speech inducting Austin Coyle. That'll take place after the Gator Nationals. But uh, on a personal note, I just wanted to throw that in there. I appreciate the fact that uh, Austin has enough confidence in me that he would invite me to go down and do that. I'm very honored to do it, and I'm really looking forward to it.
1: No, I think it's great. You're working on a new nickname. You're the inductor. You know, like you you induct people, you've inducted Terry Vance, you've inducted Austin Coyle now, or you will you're the inductor,
0: yeah, I don't know if two makes a pattern, but uh but I'm looking forward to it. I mean, you know, you know um uh, most people that follow me on social media know that I really enjoy Daytona. I've sp- gone down there a few times, you know, spent a few days after the race and before the races on vacation, just hanging out. I like the town, I like the atmosphere, I got some friends down there. And being able to go down there uh, is a plus anyway. And being able to be a part of the uh, Motorsport Hall of Fame of America induction is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty heady stuff. I'm really honored.
1: 100%. No, that is great. And Austin Coyle, you know, I I got to sit next to him at the banquet a couple of years ago and amazing person. And and he's the godfather, really, Uh, the way everybody treats him and respects him. He is the you know, he's the godfather of drag racing crew chiefs and beyond. You know, Uh,
0: Fun fun little fact that probably most casual fans don't know, Austin Coyle actually drove the, high, the Chi-Town Hustler at one time.
1: I did not know that. Most people don't. I, I know that uh, Eric Lane, may he rest in peace, said that Austin was an unbelievable sport bike rider and that they invited him to go riding one day and he showed up in like all white gear and went out there and showed him what was up. That's what I heard
0: well the last sport bike that he had he actually sold to me uh, but you know austin for a number of years was a ducati guy and uh yeah he was uh, he was not afraid to go out and carve the canyons and, and go out and have some fun on one of those things and uh the one that uh, the last sport bike that he had was a bmw 1200s and holy smokes was that a neat motorcycle uh and a few years ago uh, he actually he sold it to me he said he was getting to the point where it just didn't really feel comfortable on anymore and didn't want it sitting rotten and uh, so, yeah, but he was a true story. He was a big sport bike guy, which is another thing probably a lot of people don't know about.
1: Him. All right. So here's my quick story. And, you know, like okay. I, I, I hesitated to, uh, to, to share this because some, you know, don't have to share everything, but I'm sharing it. I'm sharing it anyway. And Jimmy, Hey, bud, I'm, I got to show you, you know, I got to show, got to fill the time. Right. So for the past several years, uh, in Bradenton around this time of year, many teams go down there and test Wade's got a great track. It's a nice flat place. It's good weather. So Jimmy stall runs super comp with us. Jimmy and I are friends. He's been suggesting Joe, you know, come over and, uh, you know, drive my car, get, uh, get your license in my car. And I'm like, no, no, you know, I, I, uh, what if something were to happen or, and, and honestly, uh, you know, my dad always trained me, right? Like, don't uh, use anything you can't afford to replace is, is what my dad always said. So for the back and forth over the past couple of years, Jimmy has been trying to assuage me of that feeling. Like, no, 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 it's going to be good. It's going to be good. But also his car is pretty quick, right? I had uh, previously um, driven a dragster. We're talking, you know, Super Comp style dragster, but but very quick. Um, back in 2002, Alan, that's when I got my Super Comp license, which I still maintain to this day. So I could have the experience. I always felt like it was good. I always wanted to drive a dragster just to know the vehicle dynamics. But, uh, last year when Jimmy invited me, I was like, ah, I haven't raced in a hundred years. I'm not ready to jump into something like that. That's just not the right way to do it. Well, this year, when I got the call, I had just gotten out of the S 10 pickup truck that I ran super street in Orlando. And i said to myself, well, you're warmed up, dude. You ran eight run runs down the track. You went 141. You're warmed up. Go give it a ride. And so I drove over uh, uh, on Thursday, got there in the morning. Jimmy made a couple of hits in super comp form, got in, had all my paperwork and everything to upgrade my super comp to a top dragster license, made my first run half track. And uh, wow, what an experience. Big hit at the beginning and then really started a truck, got to the eighth mile and lifted because that's what you're obligated to do. Got back around and he's like, All right, you're going to the finish line this time. I'm like, Okay, I'm going to the finish line this time. Went out, did it. He said, I did everything right. He said, I did it good. I got my license signed, et cetera, and so on. That's the end of the story. But 769, 184. The back half was like getting after it. Oh man, this is fast. So I have a new personal. Awesome. And then I went 771 at 184 as well. Karen Stalva, Jeff Chatterson signed my license. I got to send in the paperwork to the National Hot Rod Association. But I told you that story to tell you this one. What are these people doing, Alan? This is freaking crazy. 184 felt like going into warp in the Millennium Falcon, which is kind of mixed metaphors between Star Wars and Star Trek. But you get it. I was 150 miles an hour slower in 320 more feet than antron brown what are these people doing it's insanity but it's amazing that's what i'm saying
0: well yeah and uh that's you know that's part of the fun and i think it's i think it's good that you did that i think it's good that you have the experience um i think your firebird's going to go faster than that so (laughs) yeah well by the time by the time those clowns get done with your engine yep your firebird's going to go 190 miles an hour Oh, I think it's terrific. i And you know, from an experience standpoint, I think that that's something that any hardcore drag racing fan should go do. And it, I mean, it's something you could do at Frank Holly's, you know, where you go out and just do the dragster experience. you know you don't have to spend a million dollars to do it. You don't have to buy a car. you don't have to buy a helmet. you don't have to buy it. you can just go have the experience of what it's like to do that. And then you can kind of make the, uh, you know, you can make the connection in your own mind. I've made a bazillion and six runs down a quarter mile. Everything for me was always indoor cars. And I always wanted to just have the dragster experience. And I went to Frank Holly School. I talked to him about it for a number of years. He had a school that was here in Tucson. And this has obviously been a few years ago now. But he had a school that was here in Tucson. And he said, I saved you a spot. You need to come out. I actually called and invited Amanda Busick because she was just at the time getting started in the NHRA. And I told her, I I asked Frank, I said, you know, are you okay with this? And I told her, I said, I think this will be a good experience for you because she, having never experienced any kind of quarter mile competition, just to understand, and Frank's cars go 160 or 165, 70 miles an hour to understand what the people you know what you're reporting on and of course so amanda comes out and and you know immediately set like top speed of everybody yeah right but
1: i remember that she did very well
0: she she was an ace but it's it's something that i think is important if you if you're a hardcore fan and you really want to understand about this stuff uh, to do it. You know, I think a lot of people that watch baseball probably at some point played in school or played softball or played something, right? You understand the game. A lot of people that watch golf will go out and, you know, hit a few balls out there from time to time. And if you're a real hardcore drag race fan, there are a number of places that you can do it around the country that have an experience. Uh, but like I said, I, uh, Frank Holley is is where I went and you can go do it They've got safe cars. they've got instruction, they've got all the equipment you need, and it doesn't cost a fortune just to go get a taste so that the next time you watch somebody doing it, your brain will go, I kind of know what that feels like. It's kind of right. a big maybe- deal.
1: Well, it's, it's irreplaceable if you're a fan of the sport. You know, they got the petty experience for NASCAR fans, so they can put themselves in the seat. And and uh, Frank Hawley has got his Dragster Adventure. Even if you don't want to get your license, you just want to have a an experience, like low-key, where you're not like, oh, my gosh, do I have to get everything right to get this license? Uh, they make it fun for you as well. I just wanted to share that. i tell, tell you what. I'm going gonna... to... Okay, I'm going
0: gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, just... I'm going to volunteer Joe for this, and and he's going to deal with it whether he likes it or not. Uh-oh. If you call Frank Holly and go to the Dragster Experience and tell him that you're on the Joe and Allen program, that you want the Dragster Experience on the Joe and Allen program, you will get twenty dollars off. Yeah. Joe will pitch in ten. I'll pitch in ten. So yep. you know Frank will still get what he needs. But uh, call Frank Holly. Tell him that you're on the Joe and Allen experience. You'll get twenty dollars off, and Joe and I'll make up. So right. Frank, we'll- uh,
1: you know, really what we're doing.
0: Frank's not the one offered the discount, Joe and Alan. Are,
1: we're going to sign an autograph, a $20 bill for you. It's really what we're going to do. And we'll just hand like, it to
0: you. Like the one I have over here from Farm Truck and Asia?
1: That's exactly right. When you beat them in a very safe race, that was uh, done under the appropriate circumstances. Alan, great Absolutely. job. When do you fly out? I know you checked in for your flight already. When do you get to Gainesville? I know they're stacking for the baby Gators. As we speak, many I, people might be in the line watching right now.
0: I would... I would think they're parking today. Aren't they testing tuning tomorrow? I do believe yes, they're testing. I'm out early tomorrow morning and uh, I will be in Gainesville tomorrow afternoon. Uh, we start officially running on Thursday and that'll be uh, the first of my 12 days down there before I head on down to Daytona for Hall of Fame duties. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Getting getting back to work at Phoenix last week was terrific. And I'm really looking forward to getting down to Gainesville Getting the baby gators, which is always a fun race, and then of course the Gator Nationals, start kicking off the uh, the Mission Era and the NHRA Pro Tour. Going to be fun. Going to be a fun couple of weeks. And I also want to wish everybody luck up at the March Meet. I know that uh, a lot of the nostalgia folks are headed up there. Big deal up in Bakersfield. Uh, one of these years, one of these years, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be able to get up to the March Meet.
1: Yeah, that's me, me, me too, and me either. Uh, haven't been right before the Gator Nationals, right to go west and. But Galvin is like Joe. You got to do it. You got to do it. So definitely going to do it one of these days. Alan, great job as usual. See you in Gainesville. A couple weeks. Thank you very much. Uh, Next week. What are we going to do? We're going to talk. We're going to talk baby Gators results. Get ready for the Gator Nationals. Probably have a couple of guests. Can't wait.
0: Looking forward to it. All right. Have a good week, Joe. Talk to you soon. There he goes. Bye, Alan.
1: Uh, The NHRA's Alan Reinhardt joins us each week right here on WFO radio. It's part of the show on Tuesday. Subscribe. Click the bell. That's what you got to click the bell because our mobile app where I send push notifications is going away. And so you've got to enable Notifications that when we have a new show, you are notified by clicking the bell, drop a comment in the comment section, those of you watching on the YouTube. And we always ask to share the show, the viral nature of the program, uh, where people can share it around. Nothing offensive, nothing negative, always generally positive uh, about the sport of drag racing. And I like to think we share a lot of good information. Uh, Someone asking about uh, Travis Shoemake. Is uh, Trip Shoemake's son making any races this year? As I understand, understand it. Travis is going to. Um, But the details of such, I don't uh, know exactly. We'll uh, we'll find out. Parks is out there. What's up, Parks? I spent probably 50 to 60 days a year at a track and have never been down the track in a vehicle. That's. Parks, we're friends, right? I can say this. That's just dumb, man. Like, let's do it. Let's get you in a car and go down the track. You got to stage something. That's what I say. You got to stage something. You got to experience the lights and the beams and the feeling of like rocking your foot off the brake and rolling it forward. And now you're pre-stage and now you're staged and here come the lights and they pop on and you got to go. You know, I have no doubt that you're capable of keeping it in the groove. It's not about that. It's about the experience of being on a track. Like you go to a ball field and you step in the batter's box. And even if there's nobody on the field, you could look out there and you have this moment and imagine Parks, you love drag racing so much. You got to do this. Let's make it happen. How can I help? How can I help? Yeah, guys, 184. It was something. You know, I think about Stevie Fast, lights out, going 350 to the 8th. I went 769 to the quarter. He went 350 to the 8th in a slammer. It's an experience, and 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 Alan's talking about the dragster adventure at Frank Hawley. That's a half track and two full track passes. That's pretty much what I did to upgrade my license to top dragster. And you got to have it. And this is what my takeaway was. And please put your comments in the comment section right now, because that's how we're going to end the show. I'm going to do about five minutes of comments and your thoughts out there. But a few years ago, and look, you know, call it what you will. I'm blessed. I'm lucky. I'm fortunate. uh, I'm out there. Racers want to try to help me tell their story is really what it is. Okay. I'm like me or don't like me. I'm the guy in the position, one of the positions right now to try to tell the story of drag racing. And I work my tail off as best as I can to do that, that job as best as I can, loving the sport through my dad, all of that. Right. So a few years ago, Hartford, and this is on available on YouTube, gave me the experience of, warming up a pro stock car, just, you know, firing it up and feeling that clutch pedal like push back against my foot. And in that one minute, I learned so much about how challenging it is. And I immediately thought of all the drivers out there, the, you know, Hartford, Erica Enders, like they have to feel this pressure and cut a double O light and get everything right. Or they lose. And I gained all that from having that experience. I gained a lot of uh, Jeff Turk, put me in the Blackbird last year, warmed it up. Got to feel a little bit about what that was about. Uh, Lenny Lottig and Jesse Alexandra put me in their Jerry Haas simulator where I got to hit the tree with the clutch pedal and row the gears on a Liberty. It's, you know, most people might think that's a dumb experience, right? Like who cares? Practice tree. It's like being in a a, a boxing gym and working a heavy bag a little bit. Everybody's done that, but, I learned so much about how perfect the personal expectations of a driver have to be. And so two weeks ago when I was in Orlando staging up in Super Street, again, staging and competition is very different. Staging and competition, knowing that no BS, you got to get up there, you got to get in there, you got a person in the other lane. They want to send you home. They want to load you up. They want to advance. It's cutthroat. It's gunslingers in the old west. At high noon, every time, it's amazing. And I had that experience. And then this, little Jimmy. 184 miles an hour. And what did that do for me? Well, it was very fast. And it just made me appreciate so much more than I already did and I already did a lot it's just you don't know what you don't know you don't know what you don't know you can't appreciate an experience that you've never had that's why the Holly school is uh, great to feel the car to feel the chassis but 184 miles an hour that's way faster than I had ever been I had been 168 I won a 184 and I realized this thing is moving out the cars designed to go straight i handled it very well i was warming up to it the MHRA licensing policy is designed for you to learn that's why they tell you you don't make a full run the first run you make a half track pass a moderate pass and then you extend it but 184 Erica's going 212, 215. She's the queen of speed. She's got the speed record and pro mod. Antron Brown goes 330. Tasca went 340 inside this carbon fiber shell. What's that like? If 184 was what I experienced, and don't get me wrong, I handled it. And there's more. I could, I could, you know, if somebody wanted to train me to do everything, uh, I would. I feel like I could handle it to a point, but right now my imagination can't imagine 250 miles an hour. It it just can't imagine that. What? 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 So back to the super comp racers. I talked to Gary Stennett, who's doing Project Pontiac. If you think about the baby gators right now, Project Pontiac, our build project here on WFO, so I could go super street racing, which is what I really always wanted to do. Um, He's like, yeah, now imagine. That you're coming up on a slower car and you're holding six and you got, you're got you ripping them down there. Wah, 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 trying to judge that finish line stripe to about five foul to take the win. In addition to keeping it straight and going 184, 190, some of them. And that's what's happening in all these .90 categories. We started the show talking about the Lucas Oil Racers and how if they feel unappreciated, um, you know, turn that front upside down. We're going to try to show you how much we appreciate you. We're going to try real hard because you are appreciated but they're not just two cars rolling out and going artificially slow because they are all making speed down there and 130 in a quarter mile is fast at 141 was faster and you just climb on up 184 trying to judge the finish line stripe making moves chess match at 180 miles an hour it's uh worthy of your respect fans of nitro and so here's where you're making the big mistake for this is um, i'm on the soapbox for the dot 90 guys which i will probably be more and more as i do it more and more as we try to get this project pontiac going and everybody that's helping out whether it be Foggit and gary and steve williams wilson manifold Strob technologies total seal everybody that's been helping out right it's uh it's really amazing Stop watching this stuff from the starting line. You're making a tremendous mistake. It's like someone who goes into the movie theater and sits in the first row, and you're like, "Look at this movie." That's a bad spot. You're not supposed to watch from there. And you all want to be close to the starting line. You want to see the burnouts, but for DOT ninety racing, that's not right. A car storming past you at 160 miles an hour. Jerron settles. I think he runs one like 88, 190, something like that. Like big speed and making a move it's it's amazing it's amazing it's one of the um you know most poorly told stories in sport in all of sport like what these dot 90s are going you talk to the go fast guys and they're like throttle stops you know those guys suck and it's like no man that's not what it is but you can't you can't get past someone's like initial opinion of something you hear throttle stop and they don't they don't really get it. They don't really get it. And then you get in the car and then you're like, Oh, this is what this is. It's different than what I thought it was. Now I always knew, but now I've had a couple of experiences back to back that have really, uh, added to my personal experience. Hey, I want to tell you about these people. They make it possible. First of all, everybody subscribe, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe, click the bell, Apple podcasts, the audio only show, you can't watch the screen. You don't want to see this mug every minute of every day of all these days. Like, you could listen. It's a lot easier to listen. And the Ignition podcast is audio only for that reason. You're designed to listen to it. But the folks at Rodak's coffee and Marvin Rodak, this guy making special drag racing-themed blends of coffee, 817-924-6821. Call Marvin. I'll say that again slow. Get a pen. 817 924 6821. Call Marvin. Order coffee. Order hot sauce. Order spice rub. Get on the program. You will love it. Samtech.edu. The School of Automotive Machinist and Technology. The next generation that will be coming up, that will be doing your cylinder head work and your engine block work and tuning your EFI. These kids are coming up through Samtech. And if you are thinking about going and getting an education in one of these programs, they need you. We want you. Our country All these infrastructure jobs are building roads and bridges and doing all kinds of stuff. CNC programming, military contractors, all hiring. They need smart people. Sam Tech can get you ahead, and they even have great relationships with people like Boeing and SpaceX. They're approved to train veterans under the GI Bill, Sam Tech. And, of course, Frank Hawley's drag racing school. I don't even need to go down that road. People want to know what my dragster looked like. This is it. This is the car I went 798 in. It was a Suncoast car that I bought from... George Corso while I worked at the radio station and he had it going 801, 800, 801, 802. And we, uh, we put it on alcohol and it went out there and it went seven ninety eight at the old Moroso motorsports park before they resurfaced it. They had like three huge camelbacks right in the lights. And it was a scary ride. 168 bouncing down there. I was like, this does not feel like fun. Not fun. What I did the other day. Bradenton, like a sheet of glass, 1,000 horsepower car, man, something else. Folks at Phillips Connect, helping out WFO, phillips-connect.com. CWT Industries, of course, balance machines. If it rotates, it can be balanced. If you're still using your old school or even several-year-old balancer, it's time to reevaluate. The product works better. It's quick. It's, in many ways, automated. Tells you what to do and gets it right. It's a moneymaker. That's what Randy Neal is like. It's a moneymaker for your shop. CWT Industries. You can email me, Joe, at WFORadio.com. Guys, that's my email address for you listeners out there. If you want to get an intro to a product or you have a question, you can fire off an email. But uh, I will be happy to put you together with any one of our sponsors. Bernie Speed Shop. A week from tomorrow, go to Bernie's. If you're hanging out in Gainesville, if you're going to Gainesville, if you're flying into Orlando, go to Bernie's. I would go to Garlitz in the morning and go to Bernie's in the afternoon for the fan fest, six to nine. Everybody's going to be there. The whole world's going to be there. But will they have a tram again? But listen, they're buying and selling classic muscle cars, exotic cars. They sell on consignment. So if you're selling your car, maybe you sell it with Bernie's. If you're buying a car, go to Bernie's.com to find out what they got. Fog Foggit, F O G G I T.com, available on Amazon and Summit. A great product, Gary Stinnett, has changed the game. Uh, you hear that so often. What a cliche, right? But if you're a racer, like I aspire to be, and I'm going through all this to make the perfect engine, and when you seal it up, it's not like you're pulling it apart every uh, day. How do you protect the inside of the engine? You know, one of those exhaust valves is going to be open. Humidity is going to go up in there. There's going to be uh, the creation of condensation and sulfuric acid to destroy your perfect cylinder home. How do you fix that with a little fogging? Fti performance transmissions and torque converters. Of course, Paul Lee got to be super excited about his upcoming season. My goodness, Johnny Lindberg, John Medlin, wow, good for Paul. But the folks at Fti uh, went up there, picked up transmissions for Project Pontiac, and I'm super excited. Got the 180 straight cut gear, and I'm excited. You know, 3,300 pound car, making 800 horsepower, uh, 795. It's gonna be, it's gonna be something. And uh, Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. Don't forget, there will be trackside tech talks at the Gator Nationals. It is free with the price of your ticket in, uh, in the pit area between qualifying sessions this year. And so for the Lucas Oil Series racers that were always curious, but obviously you're trying to win a race. And so you can't come over and do a tech talk. You won't be racing during that time. Let's get a load of Lucas Oil Series racers over there to learn and understand what Keith Jones and Lake Speed and Ed Keebler, these guys from Rottler, have to say about how you can improve your ring seal. Simple as that. And everybody knows that's where the horsepower is. All right. It's all an exercise in stalling to see what you guys got uh, to say. It really, it's all summed up by here. great show, Joe. C5P Fan Fest. On Wednesday or Thursday, Lone said on Thursday on his show. That isn't correct. It is Wednesday. Thursday night is the Garlet's International Drag Racing Hall of Fame. Wednesday. Uh, Steve Evans set the standard. Tons of respect for what he did and tons of respect for those who worked with him. Steve Evans was a cool character. And his son Cameron and I are are forged a friendship over the last uh, 20 years or so. And um, I was on my XM show talking about Steve Evans, you know, was on NASCAR radio for a while, but I'm a drag racer. And as much as I was, uh, you know, talking NASCAR on NASCAR radio every once in a while, in an effort to promote the sport that I participate in, we would get into a little drag racing talk. And, uh, you know, that's how I actually became friends with Tommy Johnson Jr. And that's how I became friends with Cameron Evans. And the phone, you know, blipped and Tommy Noodles, uh, you know, brought the name up. And he says, Steve Evans' son on the board. So I punched him up. It's like, are you ready? It's like, yeah, this is Cameron Evans. And we had a great conversation about his dad and, you know, the be there tape and all those drag racing commercials and decade of thrills and all that stuff. And now uh, in our archive, when um, when Big Mac passed, we did a, you know, let's call it a tribute show. With uh, with uh, George Casteris, who worked in the truck with all of these guys. Right. And uh, Tom Gee worked with all these guys and they all had Evans stories and they had Big Mac stories. That's in our YouTube channel somewhere. You got to dig for it a little bit. Right. But there are people who worked with Evans that are still in the truck for NHRA on Fox. And they say the guy was, uh, you know, an amazing talent. An amazing talent. Like one of those had the perfect clock in his head. You he told him 60 seconds and he did the bit. And was right on 60 seconds. And yeah, uh Reinhardt's right. Tragedy would be great to have um, you know, Steve's opinion now. That would be that would be really great. Name your Pontiac soapbox. Yeah, I I don't know what that means. I think it's a shot. I don't know. I take it as a negative. Thank you. We, we got a name. Yeah, you know, Final Strike, you know. I hope that's not Snake, though, right? If it, if it is Snake, then I'll take your point. Um, my wife races Super Comp, and that class definitely is way harder than people realize. There are so many .90 racers that don't get the credit they deserve. .dot ninety racers don't get the credit they deserve. People, like, brush them off like they're doing something easy or slow uh, or when they just don't, fully understand what's going on. Attention in the pits at the March meet and Joe would be interviewing those drivers what a show that would be. Yeah, well, you know, getting out to the March meet just days before the Gator Nationals is a great channel. Are you having a show tomorrow? Asks Blake. Blake, we're working on that. We have a couple of Lucas Oil champions that we need to publicize. One is Trevor Larson and another is Brandon Miller. And uh, we're going to air those, I believe, tomorrow and Thursday, 12 noon, Eastern time, Lucas Oil champions right here on WFO radio on YouTube. You know, I'm very disappointed that Kyle Rizzoli, uh, Kyle was so great on YouTube. And yes, I pre-recorded it. They can't all be live, guys. They can't all be live. Pre-recorded it with Kyle, po- posted it on the YouTube, put it out there on the social. Guy is Stock Eliminator World Champ, one of the true great drivers, like a top tier driver. In the Lucas Oil series. And uh, it hasn't gotten as much traction as I would like. But it's not too late. So you can get up there and get after it. And go share that show with Kyle Rizzoli. And I uh, also want you to go watch the Attention in the Pits episode. With Jim Grossi. Because. He surprised me. He surprised me with something. I don't want to tell you what it is. But he basically. He, he made me watch. A previous episode and wanted to tell me how it motivated him the car you see the orange corvette it's creation it's inception all the attention to detail that went into that car was the result of something i did to piss him off (laughs) how's that for a tease go watch Blake loves watching WFO. Thank you very much. Lonnie, Steve Evans, Dave McClellan, gold standard of drag racing. Of all television announcers, honestly, you know, of all television announcers, even beyond drag racing, beyond drag racing. Don't forget International Drag Racing Hall of Fame. You really want to get in there, you can get your tickets. I posted the link to the Shirley Muldowney screening at the Hilton on Friday night. It is a ticketed event. It is not free. It's not free. Amanda Busick doing a Q&A with Garlits and Muldowney. V- watching a screening, the first ever airing. It'll be Friday at the Hilton after the races are over. The link is in the chat section. Hit the link. Pay the money. Go out there and have the experience of a lifetime. That's what I say. And that's it. That's where we are. Thanks to Bobby Graham for taking some shots at Bell Rose. Look at Taylor's machine. Little CIP one action. Angel getting to the final round. But Jackie Frick taking the win. All right, guys. Appreciate you all. Hit that archive. WFO. Thanks, Alan.